This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Koala Clip. If you are looking for a great way to carry your phone on the go, on the run, it doesn't slip around or move around and it stays dry even when you sweat a lot, check out Koala Clip. They also have an apparel line now that is super cute. I'm basically obsessed with the Ren sports bra. Super soft, super comfortable. Go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order with Koala Clip. All right, this is the first episode of a six-part nutrition series that I am super pumped about. We are starting this six-part nutrition series off with sports dietitian Anna Turner, who has been on the show in the past, and she's a nutrition coach for endurance athletes. I've had several athletes that I work with that I coach for marathons work with Anna and they have seen great results in their training and how they feel when they run marathons and half marathons. And Anna is super passionate about hydration. So we are talking all things hydration, pre, during, and post run in this episode, as well as all things electrolytes, why sodium is so important and how much you need things you can do to make sure that you are getting what you need as far as hydration and electrolytes go. I hope that you walk away from this episode feeling empowered to properly hydrate yourself and properly get the right amount of electrolytes into your body so that you can execute and feel good on your runs and in your races. Another way you can feel good on the run and in your races is if you check out Lily Trotters, get yourself some really awesome compression socks to help with your recovery. Not only do they work, they increase athletic performance and speed up muscle recovery. Compression has been shown to enhance athletic performance and speed up muscle recovery and soreness post-exercise. Lily Trotters has really cute, fashionable, and functional socks. I particularly love their crew socks. I wear them all the time. Go to lilytrotters.com. Use the code IHA and that will get you 15% off your order with Lily Trotters. All right, friends, enjoy this first part of a six-part nutrition series with my friend, registered dietitian, sports dietitian, Anna Turner. All right, friends. Well, today on the podcast, this is the first episode of a six-part nutrition series we're doing with all registered dietitians. And today we're talking with Anna Turner, who is a probably four-time returning guest. She's back on the show. (laughs) Welcome back, Anna. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Really excited to chat again um, about hydration and all things running and sweating and hydrating. Yeah, we did an episode similar to this. This is going to be a little bit different if you listen to that. So don't worry, like we're bringing you some new and for fresh information. Um, I have sent that link, though, 
to so many athletes that I coach. I coach the Every Mother Counts um, charity teams. And like, I always make sure to include that episode um, in the blurb I do. I do like a weekly blurb to them. And I always include that episode because I think that it just has so much valuable information. There's so many little things you can do to help your running with hydration. And especially as we enter the summer, super hot season for a lot of people listening, uh, I thought, okay, this is the one we're going to kick off with hydration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I think hydration is an interesting topic um, in nutrition because it sounds so simple, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it just sounds like, I mean, yeah, you drink water and you hydrate and maybe you use some sports beverages, um, but it's just so, you for runners, it's, it's it becomes really interesting because you're out there for so long. So because you're out there for two hours, three hours, four hours, like now it, it's not as simple as just drinking or just grabbing a sports beverage. So it really is something that is really important for endurance. I guess I'll just say the endurance athlete, right? If you're just running 45 minutes, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I just came in. I just told you, um, I just came in from a 12 mile run and I said, I tried a product there's a product that uh, you talked to me about. It's the company's fluid and it has 800 milligrams of sodium, but their other product has 300. And I, I mixed up the 800, one with 800 milligrams of sodium, came inside, took a drink and I was like, I don't think I can handle that right now. And then I went to the 300, but you very quickly said, I, I guarantee you it wasn't too much. If you're out there for 12 miles, yes, I will stand by my firm. <laughs> I guarantee you it wasn't too much. <laughs> Especially in the summer. I mean, we actually have had a cooler few days here. It was like 78 degrees and the humidity was down. So that Lovely. actually felt really, really nice um, compared to the 97 that it's going to be later and when the humidity picks back up. So I wasn't sweating as heavily as like I would in normally mid-June yeah. in, in North Carolina, but... Um, well, Anna, let's start off with your story, why you are passionate about hydration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hydration. Um, so I became a sports dietitian um, because I was a triathlete and cyclist. And growing up, you, you know when you have like those pre-race jitters and you can't sleep the night before a race? Yes. It's well, so annoying. I, <laughs> I, I actually never had that, but I remember being so confused because it's not, I couldn't not sleep the night before a race because I had the jitters. I couldn't sleep the night after the race yeah. because I had a splitting headache and a migraine. Um, and I just always remember telling my mom that. I'm like, I can sleep fine the night before. I'm not worried. It's the night after. I can't sleep at all because I have such a bad migraine. Um, and I never knew what that was from until I became a sports dietitian and realized like, oh, that was dehydration. Like that was extreme dehydration and extreme for likely two reasons. Extreme for one, because I was doing triathlons and out there for a long time, right? Total duration was two hours or longer. So you're out there for a long time sweating. But then the other, no, the other one is just because I'm a really heavy sweater. Mm -hmm. So it really impacted me, whereas it may not um, someone who isn't a huge sweater. So becoming a sports dietitian, putting it all together, working on my own hydration strategies and realizing you don't have to have those migraines or you don't, you know, the feeling at the end of a really long run when you don't feel lightheaded or dizzy or when you feel strong um, through those hot summer months, 
is really nice. It, you can hydrate appropriately, but you just got to learn about your body. Yeah. I'm always like, what is the balance of like, you know, sometimes I have athletes training for marathons and they're like, I am just so exhausted. And part of me, you do get to a certain part of marathon training if you're training pretty hard where you're going to be tired. <laughs> like you're totally. going to be really ready for bed at like eight o'clock. Um, but there is a balance there of like um, sustaining more energy levels if you properly are taking care of what you're putting into your body and, mm-hmm. you know, checking your blood work and make sure everything is like kind of where it should be and making sure you have the sodium, the electrolytes in your body. Um, and I think we get lazy and like let that fall to the wayside a little bit sometimes. And then that like regular marathon tired turns into like extreme marathon tired. Mm -hmm. I literally just answered a, I'm in a triathlon training Facebook group and I just replied yesterday to someone who was saying the exact same thing. Like I know I should be tired um, because I'm training so hard, but are there other reasons? Mm-hmm. And and I replied and said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, if I mean, if you haven't learned about how to fuel your body um, for that type of training and how to recover, and and if you haven't learned about hydration and dehydration, you could have the best fueling plan. You could understand. You could eat. You know, all of the the antioxidants and the inflammation reducing foods to help with the muscle soreness and just the overall work that you're doing on your body. But if dehydration is still there, you're going to still feel yucky and tired and exhausted. So that's the part I think is a little interesting. Maybe, um, you know, maybe people before have never connected like recovery with hydration, right? You think about hydration as something you think about before you Mm -hmm. go run. And then maybe even during your run, if you're on a long run and take a bottle with you. But the recovery piece is also really important. Like it can it can totally wreck your recovery and even lead to muscle damage if you've got some major dehydration going on. Okay. So we're going to go through some bullet points here and really try to keep this organized for everybody listening. And I really hope that you, you all are on a run or somewhere and you're like, oh, I don't want to remember that. Um, and we will even put these some of these bullet points in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Um, if you actually go to the website and put your email in there where I'll have another we can just get you on our email list and those uh, show notes can be emailed to you once a week they're just once every episode goes out you get them delivered so that if there's something you want to remember and Emma my um, editor she even timestamps things so if you're like oh I remember that one thing Anna was talking about about midway through you'll have a timestamp there so you, so you don't have to like you know fish through the episode and find it Um, so we'll start with why is hydration important and how does it affect a performance? Mm -hmm. So I want you to think about your body and then think about your blood. So your blood is a liquid, right? So that makes sense. Hydration has to do with liquids. So the function of the blood in the body is to help, obviously help your muscles run, help, um, pump your heart deliver oxygen throughout your brain all the way through your body. So if you take a liquid uh, like blood and you remove water from it, so let's use let's use waking up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. for a run, for example. At 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., you have just slept for eight hours. Hopefully you've slept for eight yeah. hours. <laughs> um, so you've just slept for eight hours. So your body is not taking in any fluid. It's excreted fluid through your urine, 
So your blood is at the most dehydrated Mm. place that it will be throughout the entire day. Because hopefully from then on, you get up and you start hydrating throughout the day. So that is what we call like a, a, it's a thicker blood, right? And if you think of a thicker blood trying to move through your body, it's going to move a lot slower than a thin hydrated blood. So the thing that you might notice as you are dehydrated is that you have a higher heart rate, right? If you wake up at 5 a.m., let's say you're someone who, you know, trains in the morning and the evening and you just notice like, man, things just feel a little slower in the morning. I feel like I have a higher heart rate takes me a while to get going. Well, that's likely because of dehydration. So your your total, we call it your total plasma volume. That blood is just thicker um, and it, it moves a lot slower. So it reduces your cardiac output, um, reduces the work that your, your heart can put out to your muscles. Um, it's also going to affect the blood flow to your brain. So, you know, you might start to, to feel just not happy <laughs> in this hot, long run that you're doing, um, you might start to, you know, not be able to concentrate, not be able to focus, it's going to increase your perceived level of exertion, which is, you know, that's, that's not fun, right? If, if this run now feels harder than it really should, mm-hmm. simply because of dehydration. And then the last one, like I mentioned earlier, is it can increase muscle damage, which is definitely not what we want. I think the muscle damage part happens in those extreme cases, like what, what I was dealing with as a young triathlete where you're getting severely dehydrated and having migraines and like some real effects. Um, I likely had some really poor recovery back then, but as far as how dehydration affects the athlete's body, it's going to increase your heart rate. It's going to make the workout feel so much harder um, because your body's trying to transport oxygen through this thicker blood that it just isn't moving as fast. So it's just making everything a lot harder and not running as efficiently as possible. And I always love to talk about that morning run because, and especially where you live, Lindsay, it being super hot and humid. It's like the only way to go in in the summer. Yeah, it's the only way to get it done. So just making sure that you have a water bottle with electrolytes in it, sitting by your bed or right by your running shoes. So the second you wake up, you are starting to sip on it. Um, because you, you likely could get at least eight ounces in before you head out the door. I guess it depends on how long you, I'm, I'm a full hour person. So like I got plenty of time for that. (laughs) I know some people listening, like get out and like, they want to, you know, get up at five 30. They want to be out the door before six. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. (laughs) I can't do that. I'm like, I, I have time for, I think I probably do 16 ounces of water. Which is great. I Plus mean, coffee, but then, to, I mean, I for sure yeah. have to stop and pee mm-hmm. during if I run more than like six miles. And that's totally normal. Yeah. It's interesting talking to runners um, because they get upset about things like that, yeah. like having to stop and pee. But that's okay. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's totally normal. It's a totally normal body function. And it's better to be more hydrated um, or better hydrated going into your workout and to try and, you know, work your way through this dehydrated 6am run and feel awful and not hit the times that you want to hit and not continue to push your total fitness forward because you're limited and you're not able to get to those hard efforts because you're dehydrated. I mean, my hat's off to you that you all that just get out there and go do it. 
<laughs> well, I would be the person, I'm definitely the person that's shoes on out the door within 15 minutes, but I'm going to take a bottle with me, yeah. which I know a lot of people, you know, wouldn't think like, oh, I'm just going out for a 45 minute run. So I'm not going to take a bottle with me. Well, if it's that morning and you're not like Lindsay, who wakes up an hour in advance, <laughs> um, then, then I would always recommend to my athletes yeah. to take the bottle with you so that you are continuing to hydrate as you're further dehydrating yourself in that morning run. Um, I'm just curious about that too. Like, so I'll give my morning run today an example, uh, the 12 miles I did. I, we don't have a handheld, which I know we need to get. Um, like we used to have one and then we stopped using it. But you know, in Indianapolis, like when it's not winter, the water system is pretty good. Like there's mm-hmm. quite a few stopping spots mm-hmm. where here in Raleigh, the greenway system is amazing, but like not much water. Really? Um, and since it wasn't like crazy hot today, I was like, we'll be fine. You know, like we'll just like go crazy when we get home rehydrating, which is what I've done. Um, about eight miles and I was like, I could use some, some water, some electrolytes right now. And I, we just powered through. Um, but I'm just curious, like, was that a really bad decision to not bring something? <laughs> um, I think, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think anything's a bad decision. I think it's just a learning point, yeah. right? If you can connect the pieces yeah. like you just did right there and you likely were hitting dehydration Probably at eight, about eight miles. miles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, generally if it's, you know, if it's over an hour and 15 minutes, I think you're likely going to hit dehydration. Um, it just depends, you know, if it's an 85 degree day, you might hit it at an hour. If it's a, you know, 78 degree day, you might hit hit it at an hour and 20 minutes. So yeah, I think on a 12 mile run, you definitely were hitting it at that eight miles. You obviously survived. Yeah, I was fine. You survived. But the thing that is, you know, the thing that's different, or that could have been different is, you might have, it sounds like at mile eight, maybe that perceived level of exertion went up a little bit. Yeah. You're like, oh, this kind of sucks now. Yeah. Um, so that might've went away and you might've had just a little bit more um, effort in you at the end, had you been hydrated. But yeah, I, those are the things, like those are the learning pieces that I really want athletes to be able to connect is yes, you can do it. Yes, you likely will survive. There are obviously people who end up in the medical tent because it can also go very bad if you're out there for long enough in hot enough conditions. Um, but for the most part, people are going to be fine. So it's really the it's really the performance enhancing part that takes it to the next level, right? Hey, everybody, a quick break here in this awesome conversation with Anna. She is bringing us so much great information here. To thank Inside Tracker and let you know that for a limited time, you can save 20% off all tests with Inside Tracker when you go to insidetracker.com slash another. The code another gets you 20% off. What does Inside Tracker do? It helps you take charge of your health and wellness. It is an ultra personalized performance system that analyzes your data from your blood work, your DNA, lifestyle, and has a fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. I talk about it in this episode with Anna and in all the episodes in this nutrition series, we spend so much time and energy and resources on running, signing up for races, and so many hours out there on the pavement or on the trails. 
And I think that it's easy to lose sight of what might be going on inside our body. And if we're going to spend all this time and resources on something we love, we should know what's going on inside our body so that we can feel our best when we are running. And also, I know a lot of you probably have some big goals. And so tweaking a few things to get your blood work where it needs to be could make a big difference. So for a limited time, go to insidetracker.com slash another, use the code another, and that will get you 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. This is a good time to get this started before you might be training for some fall races. I actually had my blood work done and we're going to analyze some of the things in that with a registered dietitian in this series. I think that that will be super helpful. Um, again, insidetracker.com slash another code, another for 20% off. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Anna. Let's talk about planned drinking versus drinking to thirst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is the the question that people are always wanting to know, like, well, Anna, can't I just drink to thirst? Right. And the answer is definitely yes, you totally can. Um, But there are times where planned drinking are going to be more advantageous to your performance. Um, So I'll just go through like when it's appropriate for thirst drinking and when it's appropriate for. Perfect. So thirst is totally fine if it's less than an hour, right? If it's less than an hour, just drink to thirst. Um, or if you've hydrated appropriately going into it, you, you don't even need to take it with you. Um, and then cooler conditions. Uh, so obviously in the winter, um, you know, in the winter, we don't have to critically think about hydration. We can just kind of let our natural tendencies of hydration roll and we're likely going to be just fine. Um, lower intensity, if it's an easy run, an easy run, you know, in mid fall, I'm not worried about your hydration status. Hopefully you hydrated before the run and I know you're likely going to be okay during the run and then you can rehydrate when you're done. Um, So those are really the big ones. Short duration, if it's less than, you know, an hour to 90 minutes, cooler conditions and then lower intensity. One of the things um, I've been thinking about is like when you talk about planned drinking versus thirst drinking is... I think a lot of athletes think, okay, I'm going to practice my hydration and my nutrition on all my long runs. And they kind of like forget about those like midweek runs. And I'm like, why not get as much practice as possible? Like, obviously I don't want you to overthink like, okay, for every six mile run, I have to like, you know, mess with nutrition to play with my, like how my stomach feels. But, um, I also think that, you know, once a week isn't that often and you might as well Mm -hmm. like make sure things sit well, even if it is a shorter run. Yeah. And if you have to, I totally agree with you. And if you have to even um, like once a week, isn't that often. And then if you have to like figure out which product works for you, right now you're down to only six weeks or four weeks or, you know, it, yeah. it can go very fast. Yes. Um, so yeah, I absolutely. So yes, you don't critically need a hydration plan for an hour or hour, 15 minute run. But it is absolutely a time to practice your skills. So, I I mean, I think the morning runners obviously have it best, right? Because you don't even have to change anything you do during the day. You just need to implement your hydration plan at that 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. run. And you're going to feel better. And you're also practicing your skills that are going to transfer to race day. 
So that one is a win. Okay. So when are times we for sure need to plan our drinking? Yes. So longer duration. So, you know, for example, you were saying today, like, oh, I just went out for a 12 mile run, right? You're a marathoner. So saying you just ran 12 is, you know, because you're used to running for three, four hours. Which by the way, everybody listening, that was a big run for me today (laughs) for where I am in my life. That was like, not just like a measly 12. It was a big deal. (laughs) Um, so longer duration would be those over two hour runs, right? Our marathon training really for half of your marathon block, right. Is going to be, um, longer duration. And then, you know, where we're at in the summer, obviously heat and humidity make it super important. You might notice in the fall and spring, you can make it an hour and feel totally fine. And you might notice now because there's heat and humidity at the end of an hour, you're like, man, I feel like crap. Like, well, that's, you know, that's the heat and humidity and you're, you dehydrate within, you know, an hour now, whereas before you might have dehydrated within an hour and 20 minutes. So it's just, um, you're obviously going to lose more quicker, higher intensity. So as you're really getting into pushing your skills and doing those those tempo workouts, higher intensity obviously makes you sweat more and is going to lead to greater sweat losses. And then where performance is a concern. So, I mean, if you really, like I mentioned earlier, you obviously did the 12 mile run, but if you have a specific goal and you really want to capitalize on all of your training sessions, you know, that 12 mile run maybe could have been, you know, 1% better or even felt 1% better um, with hydration because you might not have hit that dehydration at mile eight. Those last miles could have been capitalized a little bit greater effort. Does that make sense? Yeah. And also okay. like to me, it just makes sense mentally too. Like, yeah, you feel, totally. if, you if nothing run. else changes, but the perceived level of exertion, like I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> If I could just enjoy this a little bit more. <laughs> totally. You finish, you feel good. You finish, you feel like crap. You're like, I don't want to do that again. Right. I don't want to feel like that next week when I, <laughs> you know, add two more miles to that. <laughs> totally. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So those are, those are definitely, you know, I, I, it's the co- most common question. I feel like, like, can't I just drink to thirst? The answer is definitely yes. But if again, you are training for a longer distance, like a marathon and it's in the summer, right? This is why we, this is why my Instagram is full of hydration stuff every single summer because it's when it becomes a most important. Yeah. I'm already looking forward to, um, I'm allowed to say, I feel like since I moved, I'm allowed to say I'm looking forward to fall running. Cause you know, I, in Indiana, I would be like, oh, but then January and February. And now I'm like, okay, but January and February is like (laughs) great year. It's like perfect running weather. It's like 50 degrees, 40 degrees. I'm interested to save this episode in five years. Like I want you to re-listen to this and see if you fully acclimated to being in the South. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we, we, Glenn and I signed up for a fall marathon and I am like, are we ridiculous? Why are we doing this through the summer? Like, it's like, you know, but it'll be fine. We just have to get out early. Race day will be wonderful. Yeah, it'll feel great. I mean, and that's the same in Indiana. Yeah. It's hot in the summer in Indiana too. Like there are some miserable hot days. So yes, 
um, fun story about that. My husband and I just took our first no kid vacation. Oh, good for you. Yes. And we went down to the Florida Keys. And the funny thing is that because of the heat wave that just came through the Midwest, the Florida Keys is actually cooler nice. than it was in Illinois. But was it good which, weather? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was great. Oh, that's it was great. As great. it was 99 here in Illinois, we were in, you know, 86, 89. Perfect. <laughs> it so was good. lovely. <laughs> that's so good. What key did you guys go to? We did. We went to Key West and okay. then we, um, we drove it though. So we saw everything. Oh, key. we've been yeah. to Key West once. And when we went, I was unknowingly pregnant and I felt sick the whole time. Oh. And I was like, oh, no wonder I felt sick the whole time. Yeah. I, did, I thought it was like travel anxiety. but the, And I was yeah. like refusing to take a pregnancy test because I just had a miscarriage. And I was like, I'm not pregnant. I don't want to get my hopes up. And then uh, there Marshall was just hanging out, <laughs> making me feel sick in there. <laughs> so that was the oh. one problem with Florida Keys for me. I felt sick the whole time. But it was like oh. such a cool place. Mm -hmm. It was it was really nice. I just love the island feeling being able to ride your bike everywhere. Yeah. Um, that was super cool. Um, okay. Let's walk through a timeline of hydration. Mm -hmm. Pre, yes. during, post, whatever. So when you're thinking about hydration, um, obviously, yeah, there's the three parts of it, the pre, during, and post. So we want to make sure we're entering our workout in what they call the U-hydrated state. So that doesn't mean overhydrated and it doesn't mean dehydrated. It means perfectly hydrated. Um, so I say that because, you know, I know we put a lot of emphasis on hydration and I have so much passion around it, but that doesn't mean I want you to overhydrate either. <laughs> and how would you know if you were overhydrated? Yeah. If you were overhydrating, you would be urinating frequently. Um, so I don't know, let's say two to three times an hour. Oh, that's a lot. Um, yeah. So, you know, just within one to two hours before a workout, 15 to 20 ounces of water or water mixed with electrolyte. I emphasized earlier the water mixed with mm -hmm. electrolyte for that 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. run because I know you're dehydrated. Yes. Because again, you slept that eight to 10 hours. So I really, and because you're going out for, you know, a run. So I think it's really important at that time that you kind of assist your hydration because you really want it to work. You really want those 15 to 20 ounces to enter the cell as quick as possible. So let's assist it with some electrolytes. So just keeping a bottle by your bed, 15 to 20 ounces with electrolytes in it, um, will get that pre in. And then, um, so that's, well, I guess that was the one to two hours and then 15 minutes before you begin, you know, drinking another eight to 10 ounces. So those two kind of collapse down for the morning runner, sure. right? We get in what we can within, if you're the Lindsay Hine, you give yourself an hour, or if you're the Anna Turner and you give yourself 20 minutes, those kind of collapse down into getting 15 to 20 ounces. You're taking that what, bottle with you for that though, for you. I, you're right. I am taking that bottle with me. Yeah. So, and then during the workout, we're drinking another eight ounces every 15 minutes. So my watch, my Garmin watch is set with like 15 minute intervals. So that would go off Tell and I would drink. remember, yeah, that's my reminder. Have I taken in enough during that 15 minute segment or you have a prescribed amount because you've done a sweat test, right? So you can use the eight ounces every 15 minutes as like a nice guideline if you have not done a sweat test or if you don't know what a sweat test is. Um, 
But if you have done a sweat test, then those numbers are specific to you and the weather and the type of workout you're doing. So you really want to use those numbers. And we talked about sweat tests in our first episode that we did. But sweat tests, briefly share what that tells you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, I'm going to go, I'm going to walk you through, okay, the full sweat test um, allows you to understand how much total fluid you're losing and then how much total electrolyte, which is mostly sodium that you're losing. Sodium is the biggest one that we're looking at because it, it helps the most with water retention um, in your body. And it's the one you lose at the greatest quantity. Um, so those are the two things. Total fluid, we want to know how much total fluid you lost. We want to know how much electrolyte you lost. So previously, um, if I, I mean, if I think back 10 years, you couldn't, you couldn't really get a sweat test done unless you went to like the Olympic training center or the Gatorade sports science Institute, right? It was very, it was not something you had access to. Um, but then here within the last 10 years, there's machines that you can now go to a training facility and get your sodium tested. And then now here, even recently, there's patches that you can purchase at the local running store or online to where anybody can get um, that information more readily available. And how much are those patches like with a Gatorade patch? Yeah, they're $25, I believe for two tests. So $12 to test. Okay. So that's um, the tool that I use within my hydration testing because I'm a virtual program. So if I have my athlete in South Carolina, I can say, hey, go buy this, go buy this product and then use it. Um, But that doesn't, you still have to have someone to walk you through it. Yeah. Right. Just because you get the information and you're like, oh, this is cool. Okay. Now what do I do with this? Right. (laughs) So, um, so we walk you through how much total fluid you've lost and then also how much sodium you've lost and, and more specifically the type of weather that was in, right? Because your sweat rate changes obviously from winter to spring to summer to fall. So it's important to be able to run multiple sweat tests a year and understand, okay, my summer sweating is 20 ounces an hour. My fall sweating is 15. My winter is 10. And, and then you kind of start to understand what your body does throughout the training cycle and the year and the weather cycle. So, you know, if you sign up for an August marathon, you're like, okay, I'm 20 ounces an hour. I'm going to have to really be diligent about that. Or if you sign up for a November one, you know, it's obviously going to be less. Okay. So it gets complicated because everybody's needs are so individual. So there's not really like a blanket statement. I guess you could say if you are an average sweater, mm-hmm. how much like water versus electrolyte drink versus like, you know, gel product is that, you know, a lot of the products you use to get your nutrition in mid race have like maybe 200, maybe 300 grams of, or is it milligrams, milligrams of sodium? Like uh-huh. what's like the baseline, I guess is my question. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, if you're thinking like, what do I drink not knowing this information? Yeah. And you feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a medium sweater and I feel like, yeah, I'm salty, but not like you can't mm-hmm. see the white crystals on my cheeks kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I would go, if you're out running for an hour, I would go anywhere from 16 to 24 ounces of hydrating. So let's say you're marathon training. 
So you're going to plan to drink 16 to 24 ounces in that hour. And of that bottle, I would plan 500 to 800 milligrams of sodium. That's a lot. It is a a lot, lot which is why I could easily tell you that the 800 was okay. Yeah. Because your duration of time would have been what, two hours? It was like an hour 50. Yeah. An hour 50. Okay. So yeah. So that's why I was easily able to say like, definitely 800 was totally fine for you um, because I knew duration of time was over an hour. Yeah. So yeah, the average, there is research out there showing the average amount of sodium loss is about five to 500 to 600 milligrams of sodium per pound loss. Okay. So if you lose a pound of sweat, there's about five to 600 milligrams of sodium in that. And that's the average. And part of the sweat test is do you weigh yourself before and after the run, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yep. Figuring out how much total sweat you're losing. So if you're the person that's drenched at the end, you might lose, you know, a pound to two pounds per hour. Or if you're the person that just like glistens, you might lose, you know, a half a pound per hour. So that obviously is going to extrapolate into, you know, 500 times four for a two hour run is 2000 milligrams of sodium, which is why it's not crazy to talk large numbers like that Yeah, because people sweat a lot in the summer. I'm super curious though. Like what if you have an athlete who's like, I'm not, I don't weigh myself. Like I'm just like, it's a mental health thing. Like I'm not weighing myself, but like they really do need to figure out this, mm-hmm. this piece. Like do you have someone yeah, else so- just figure out the numbers or like not look or even stepping on the scale could tr- be triggering. No, I totally agree. Um, in that case, I honestly would do a symptom feedback with them. Okay. I would, fi- I mean, obviously I want to know what is your current hydration plan? How much are you drinking per hour and at what sodium level? And then from there, I would likely do a, um, like I mentioned, a symptom feedback. Like, are you having any symptoms of dehydration? Walk them through what those could be um, and then kind of manipulate their hydration plan from there. Okay. If, if they were... Uh, you know, obviously, if they were in person, you could do a blind weight with them as sure. well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can you can learn a lot. And oftentimes, just helping people get to that 16 to 24 ounces an hour, and five to 800 milligrams of sodium is a big change in general. So we're already moving towards being better hydrated and having a better hydration plan. And so you know, the changes you make from being in a good hydration plan to the best hydration plan are going to be smaller than from no hydration plan to a good hydration plan. All right. So I know sodium is the most important as far as like output when we're running, like making sure we're rehydrating and getting that sodium back in. But um, we have magnesium, potassium. What are we in? And there's a couple more. What else are we looking for as far as those numbers go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, you've got five main electrolytes. Sodium being the one you lose the most of, um, and that changes really over time. You've got potassium, calcium, magnesium, and chloride. Okay. So all of those work together to help with um, water retention in, in the body. Now, the others don't change as much as sodium does, right? Your sodium output changes from, um, well, if you sweat out you know, 10 pounds versus if you sweat out one pound, your sodium output is different right? The others are more consistent um, and don't change like the sodium does. So it's not honestly something when you go to see products, there's not a huge variance in those other electrolytes. Okay, You'll see them. They're a lot more similar from product to product. Whereas sodium, you've got a product that's 
300 milligrams of sodium and a product right next to it that's 1300. Wow. Right? There's a thousand milligram difference. So you're not going to see that with the other ones. Um, the only time I think where people get a little bit confused is when you see like coconut water because that's really where they advertise potassium. Yes. And so then you start to think about it and you're like, well, do I really need the, do I need more potassium than, than this other, um, electrolyte? So when it comes to coconut water, there's nothing wrong with coconut water and a little bit more potassium. But the thing that I always, that I don't like about that, about most of the coconut waters is there's not enough sodium. How much do they usually have? I, I feel like like hardly nothing, like 20 milligrams. Oh gosh. Yeah. Don't quote That's me on that. That's not an electrolyte drink. Yeah, it's exactly. That you need as a runner. Right. So you're, you're just missing one huge component. Uh, but if you take coconut water and you dump, you know, sodium into it, dump some salt into it, then it's totally fine. So, and you know, I, I never say don't buy it. If you like it, that's great. It makes a really nice like homemade sports drink yeah. um, to use coconut water as the base and then add sodium to it because it's got the natural sugars in it as well. So a lot of good things there, but it really does miss the sodium piece. So making sure that that's there. So when it comes to sports drinks and hydration pre, during, or post, sodium is the biggest one. And matching that up with your sodium losses is really what I teach my athletes. But I also will use some of the other electrolytes later in more of the recovery setting to help because I do know that you do lose a little bit more than your normal state of not running. So for example, magnesium, I will encourage athletes to supplement with um, during those hot summer months because I know that they are losing a little bit more because they are sweating more. Um, but again, that's something you can take a magnesium chew or a magnesium pill in the evening before bed can help with sleep and help replace that, that electrolyte. But you don't have to specifically look for a hydration beverage with more magnesium if that makes sense. And isn't magnesium is, is known to help you sleep better, right? It is. And it, I, I know this is anecdotal. I'm sure that there's research out there that I would have to look for, but I, I mean, there's so many athletes have said like during those hot months, when we know that they're losing a little bit more, taking some magnesium before bed in the evening really does help them feel more rested and have a better night's sleep. Um, uh, one of the points I really wanted to make sure we hit on when we're talking about electrolytes, because I've worked with athletes, um, who specifically have this issue is they get leg cramps really bad, mm. um, during mar- like they'll get to like mile 20, 22 of the marathon. And then the leg cramps just like totally kill the entire mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. Um, and the assumption is a lot of times that that is due to dehydration. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it could be, I I would also go with that assumption during a marathon hot race. It it could be dehydration or lack of a carbohydrate. Okay. So either can induce that. Um, I think that if you're, you know, if you've trained through summer months and maybe you've not gotten in, if you've consistently not gotten in, um, the enough electrolytes that you need, or maybe not replace some of the magnesium losses that you've had, that could definitely lead to some, some leg cramps. 
Um, so yes. So for the, the marathon runner who is having some cramping issues, I think there's definitely two reasons. One, it could be dehydration, um, or two, it could also be not enough carbohydrate. So oftentimes athletes tend to have diets, maybe a little bit higher in fat. And I don't say fat is a bad thing. Could be healthy fats, could be, you know, fried food fats. Um, but I just am meaning that it's not allowing for enough carbohydrate in the diet when the time is right to actually use that glycogen. So for example, if you have an athlete who doesn't have full glycogen stores and they go out and run a marathon and maybe they don't have the best hydration plan, they totally could end up cramping because of lack of glycogen. Okay. So lack of carbohydrate, but the same thing can absolutely happen with hydration status. So if they go out and run a marathon, but they don't have a good hydration plan, um, meaning total fluid, or maybe they don't have a good electrolyte plan for your electrolyte replacement, then that could totally also end up in cramping. So it's when you say someone cramps, it's not like, oh, it's this. It, you know, there's two different routes it could go. It's likely a combo. Like you are right. Likely is I mean, a combo, as I hear just like everything else in life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the episodes that we're doing in this series is with Megan Featherston. And we talk a lot about carb loading and what that means leading up to the race. And, you know, um, I think that that's just a really interesting conversation. So between this specific hydration electrolyte, stuff that we're hitting on here paired with that, like days leading up to your race. I'm hoping that that'll help people get a really good formula to make sure that they are super prepared. Absolutely. Cause there's nothing worse than training for a marathon and then feeling good, feeling strong, feeling confident and getting to the last four miles and just like totally losing it all. I mean, the last four miles are going to be hard no matter what they are mm-hmm. going to be hard, but if you can mentally power through that and then you have your, everything physically lined up, Mm-hmm. they're going to be manageably hard. Like you can do it without having to walk because of leg cramps. If you have all the right. science figured out or stomach pain because you took in too much, you know, too much sports strength that day, but you didn't plant, you didn't train with it or, yes. you know, there's, there's just so many things nutritionally that can go wrong um, on race day because you're putting your body through a four hour heat um, and do, you know, heat is likely present if it's in the warmer months, um, effort and the things that maintain your body functioning really well is going to be nutrition coming in nutrition, meaning carbohydrate coming in, but then also maintaining fluid balance in your body from the sweating and needing to rehydrate. So those two things are really like, you can have the strongest legs possible, but if you don't have the carbohydrate coming in and the fluid balance to maintain the, the system, then the system's going to start to deteriorate and fail at four miles to go. (laughs) We need a follow-up episode on just the carbohydrate protein piece. You know, like we've, we've hit on the hydration, the electrolyte. I feel like the next episode needs to be all, all things, carbs, protein, fat, and like how to, how to make sure you're like per hour, what you're getting in on the run. And we have talked about that a little bit in the Mm -hmm. past, um, as well as, you know, how much to get in after. But, um, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping absolutely friends that this will help you know, at least the baseline. Anna said five to 800 milligrams of Mm -hmm. sodium. That's your baseline. If you feel like you're a heavier sweater, you know, 
you might need more. If you feel like you're a light sweater or a less salty sweater, you might need a little bit less. But I think it's really good if we just know what that baseline is and then kind of mm-hmm. work off of that. And again, like once a week might not be enough. Play with that throughout your weekly runs as well. I mean, there's no reason not to get it down to a science. Back in the day, there was a time when there were like coaches out there telling people like run without you know, electrolyte drinks and all this stuff, like mm-hmm. get your body in that state so you can mm-hmm. like persevere and push through when you don't, but it's like, no, why are we going to induce muscle damage? During yes. training? I know we just know so much more now. It's yeah. It's not just grit it out and be tough and make it as hard as possible so that when it's race day, everything's going to be wonderful and lovely and it's going to be easy because um, yeah, you got to practice that plan. And, and like I, you know, just said like, severe dehydration can lead to muscle damage and poor recovery like that alone should convince you that looking at your hydration status and again I know that this is one of my most favorite topics it's and it's something I talk about all the time but summertime is a time to really look at it because that's where it's imperative and if you're doing a fall marathon and you're getting into those long runs we don't want to be inducing muscle damage simply because you didn't have a good hydration plan um, you know and feel crummy and not recover well um, to power through that, that, uh, training session and not get to the next level. So, so Anna has a actual nutrition or hydration course. If you all are like, I love this. I want to learn more, um, at atsportsnutrition.com. And we have a code for you all. It's another 10. That'll get you 10% off for the first 20 people that register for it. I think it is a really it could be a really huge asset to your training. And, you know, I, this episode, this series is also sponsored by inside tracker. I just think that like, I think that, you know, people say that running is a really inexpensive sport because you can just throw your shoes on and go. But in all reality, we are putting a lot of time and resources into it. Um, especially when you start running a lot of marathons and like, I mean, if you just sign up for a marathon major, you're throwing out like two, 300 bucks you know, you're buying your new running shoes. Like they're expensive. Mm -hmm. My, my point is you're putting a lot of time and resources into this and to figure out what your body needs so that it runs properly. To me, it just makes a really, it makes a lot of sense to like figure out what your blood work is, figure out the best nutrition and hydration plan for yourself going forward because nobody wants to like drop out of a race or feel sick or know that they could do better if they knew what their levels and their numbers were. Mm-hmm, totally. And again, I think, um, I mean, you may be the runner that's sitting there saying like, oh, I've never had a problem, but unless you know, like, unless you, if you're, I, I would have said that back in the day before I became a sports dietitian, right? Cause I didn't know any different. Like I didn't know what I was experiencing was a migraine due to dehydration. So just being able to work on your hydration plan, test it out and see how you feel will really tell you, like, then you can look back and say like, oh man, I was dehydrated. And I really, you know, that's why I felt like those 20 mile runs were so hard, not because I wasn't in shape, but because I was dehydrated. Yeah. So really being able to work on your hydration plan, get through it, have some really good runs, really good efforts in the hydrated state and feel that feeling um, is just the ultimate way to learn. I'm going to link, um, this episode, we don't have a, like an actual hydration sponsor, but so I'm going to link like multiple different 
Mm -hmm. hydration products that Anna recommends that have a higher sodium concentration in them so that you guys can see and maybe like, I don't have discount codes or anything for them, but like at least you can go check them out and see, okay, which products actually have a a good electrolyte balance Mm -hmm. that, you know, you don't want to go out for a run and use a product that has like 200 milligrams of sodium if you're running like 75 minutes and you're super sweaty. Like that's just not going to do the job. Yes. And I will also, um, I had a really awesome Instagram post uh, detailing like 10 different hydration or electrolyte beverages a year ago. But okay, I we can find that. And link I, can it. Up, I need to update it. Yeah, do a I'll new one. I'll update it. And yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, fresh content. You can reuse old content for fresh content. Anna is Anna Turner underscore sports nutrition on Instagram as well. Um, friends, I hope this has been helpful for you and that you are reconsidering your hydration needs on the run. Uh, Anna's going to come up. She's going to actually close out the six part nutrition series. Um, So we will have another episode with Anna and I am super grateful you're all here. So thank you, Anna. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. It's always fun to hop on here and chat about anything with uh, sports nutrition. Thank you. Thanks everybody. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Anna, for coming on the show. Anna is Anna Turner underscore sports nutrition on Instagram. ATSportsNutrition.com is her website. Again, she's offering 10% off to the first 20 people who join her program with the code another 10 if you want to do that. Links to all of our sponsors who are supporting this special bonus series are at our website, sandyboyproductions.com. Thank you Inside Tracker, Koala Clip, and Lily Trotters for supporting this podcast and also providing amazing products for athletes who are listening to this show so that they can execute their workouts to the best of their abilities and look cute while doing it. Uh, That's sandyboyproductions.com for links to all the sponsor information and everything Anna and I talked about. There'll be timestamps on the website in the show notes. Those can actually be delivered to your email if you sign up for our newsletter. Friends, thank you for being here. Have a really great rest of your day and we'll see you Friday and next Monday. So two episodes a week for these next six weeks. I hope you learned something today. Have a really great rest of your day and thanks for being here.